Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Barton feeling it on a lob. Oh, my! Finally feeling it. He'll take the three. It's up. Why not? Why not? Well, you can tell he's got a swagger back, right? Last night it was the NBA suspending its season after Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus. The next day, Gobert's teammate, Donovan Mitchell, tested positive as well. I wish I would have took this thing more seriously, and I hope everyone else will do so because we can do it together. This hiatus will be at least 30 days. The NBA Board of Governors has approved a 22-team restart in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. You know, right now we're good. We're going out there ready to hoop. We got Boyan now, so we have some guys that are really looking good and, and ready to step up, and uh, that's what we're really excited about. Welcome into the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in Atlanta. We are grinding our way to the NBA restart, July 30th in Orlando. 22 teams, and we're tackling all 22 of them here on the podcast with an expert from each team diving into, you know, what's going on with these guys before they head back to get this season cranked back up. Today, the Utah Jazz with my man, Tony Jones of The Athletic. Tony, before we we take any steps into this deep water with the Jazz, I got to know, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell saying all the right things, you know, trying to put a happy face on it. But when we shut down on March 11th, they were the guys that were right in the thick of it. What's their relationship like? I know they keep saying good things, but what's really going on with these two? Well, they're never going to be best friends. You know, let's keep that real. So the question becomes, uh, can these guys coexist and can they thrive together? I think that's the question that's going to be answered uh, in the Orlando restart, right? So I think both of those guys are in the right frame of mind in terms of, okay, that's my teammate. We can't have one without the other because I think in the large part with the Jazz, they need both of these guys to hit their ceiling as a team and and more importantly as a franchise. Quinn Snyder said that those guys are in a good place. They are saying the right things. Um, But what we need to see is how the Jazz play, how those guys interact, uh, and how they coexist as teammates uh, in Orlando. And I think that the answer to that will give us further answers down the road as to uh, how those two can coexist, not only in the immediate future, uh, but in the future future as well. Yeah, I I think a lot of people have kind of overlooked the fact that these are two franchise cornerstones for the Jazz. And and now you got to figure out a way 
to make both these guys okay with playing alongside each other for years to come. That's some front office work that has to be done, obviously. The pressure to make sure these guys are able to coexist and, and, and thrive in Orlando, is, is more of that on Quinn Snyder or is that on maybe Mike Conley or somebody else on that roster to be the guy who keeps everything on an even keel? You know, I think in a large part, I think the pressure is on them as individuals. I think that in, at some point in the large measure, you have to grow up and, you know, you, you have to coexist with each other. And, you know, Quinn Snyder can say all of the right things. Mike Conley can say and do all of the right things. Joe Ingles can say all of the right things. Dennis Lindsay can say all the right things. But if those two don't buy in as individuals with each other, then, you know, whatever anybody says on the outside of beyond those two guys is a moot point. You know, I think that Donovan and Rudy have to to, to figure it out. Uh, they have to figure it out with each other. And I think that that's going to come by trial and error. Um, I think that if the Jazz come out in Orlando and, you know, they're hot, they come out 5-0 and in the restart or they come out 4-1 or whatever and, and they're winning games, I think that it becomes easier. Um, but I think that if some of the old issues uh, that plagued them early in the year resurface, then I think that it kind of gets a lot, then it kind of gets a little bit more difficult. So um, when it comes to pressure uh, for those two to, to make it work, I think that the pressure has got to come from those two uh, as individuals and not anybody else uh, in that locker room. I've talked to people around the league, and if you ask them to pick out a team that they think might be vulnerable, when they get to Orlando, a lot of people are, are looking at this team and saying, well, look at what the dynamic between Rudy and Donovan. Boyan Bogdanovich is, you know, not available. And this is a guy who has been one of their main players, you know. Um, do you think that's people just kind of being a little too obvious and blatant about looking at a team and thinking that they're, they're going to be able to go at them and, and not understanding how good this Jazz team is? You've seen them on those nights when they, they're as good as you can be. And if they get to Orlando and are playing in that mode or are, or are feeling like that, they could be a dangerous team as opposed to me, a vulnerable team. So I think it's 50-50, right? I think it's fair for the obvious reasons uh, that people question the Jazz because they're losing 20 points a game. You know, Donovan and Rudy obviously had a falling out. Before the shutdown happened, the Jazz had a really, really ugly four-game losing streak, I believe, right outside of the All-Star break. I mean, the Phoenix Suns came in and looked like the 2017 Golden State <laughs> Warriors. There have been some mystifying spells for the Jazz this year, especially defensively. Now, all of that being said, this team was still 43-21. and 21, And if you ask me up until March 11th to give a letter grade on how they've played in totality, uh, throughout that whole year, I would have given them a C to a C plus, which and so that means to me, in my opinion, this team still has a ceiling that they can reach. The margin for error is a little bit different than it was on March 11th because you don't have Boyan Bogdanovich, but at the same time, I would still take this Jazz team over last year's Jazz team that was a four seed and lost to, to the Houston Rockets in the first round. So much of what I think the Jazz can do is going to rest on Mike Conley because I think that if Donovan Mitchell's right, you know what you're going to get from him. 
if Rudy Gobert is right, you know what you're going to get from him. So that makes Mike Conley the wild card. He's got to uh, take a lot of the usage that Boyan Bogdanovic uh, had. He's got to turn that into to, to positive production. He's got to step up and be the third guy now uh, when he was the fourth guy. Now, I think he's very capable of that because we saw him uh, in all of those years in Memphis, but he had a, a pretty rough uh, integration with the Jazz this year. If Mike Conley can be the Mike Conley that we've known for so long, then yeah, I think the Jazz are dangerous, even without Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, but if you know teams can come out and still load up on Donovan Mitchell like the Houston Rockets did last year in the playoffs, then they're a lot less dangerous uh, than I thought they could be. What was it? Was it just a combination of wear and tear, trying to find a rhythm with this new team? That was so strange to see Mike Conley struggle the way he did. I mean, I'm still scratching my head just trying to figure out how a guy who's been as consistent as he was in Memphis when he was healthy would have such a hard time adjusting to what they were doing with the Jazz. Well, here's the thing. So Mike Conley's struggles aren't because he lost a step. My thing is, when have you seen Mike Conley before this year ever play out of a corner? He's always had the basketball. You know, his wings were always Tony Allen or or somebody who wasn't nearly as ball in hand as he was. But this is the first time that he's played with a guy that's as ball in hand as Donovan Mitchell. Not only was Donovan Mitchell ball in hand this year, Boyan Bogdanovich was a lot more ball in hand than we had anticipated. Mike didn't have the ball in his hands nearly as much as he had at any point in his career. And when you don't have the ball in your hands, and when you have the ball once every four or five possessions, as opposed to three times or four times every five possessions, it's different. It's different. There's a different comfort level. There's a different rhythm. Uh, So I think that Mike was fighting that a lot. Quinn Snyder, finally figured out a way to rectify that issue, which was towards the end uh, of the the season before the shutdown. He staggered Mitchell and Conley, and Conley came back and ran a second unit, which gave him his necessary touches. So as a result, what you saw was Mike Conley starting to play a lot better. He had 25 against the Celtics, a couple of games before the shutdown. Uh, he had a terrific game on the road in that uh, that 114-113 win over over the Rockets on the road. It wasn't that Mike Conley lost a step. It was just that he hadn't had the ball and he was playing a different role uh, than he was used to for all of his career. I was covering the Pacers when he and Greg Oden were playing at Lawrence North High School. Mm-hmm. Even playing with Oden, he always had the ball as the point guard in high school at Ohio State. I mean, you're right. I didn't even think about that, that that would have been the first season of his basketball life, potentially, where he wasn't in complete control of the ball. Quinn Snyder stepped into a, in another role during the pandemic, alongside Atlanta's Lloyd Pierce and several others, leading the charge for coaches as they embraced the social change that's inevitably going to be a part of the restart in Orlando. Um, and I heard him talk, Tony several times just about the way that things have gone, you know, the past few months had changed his mind and changed his outlook on things. How different is Quinn Snyder's view of what's going on now, do you think, compared to what it was before the shutdown? Because I'm assuming, like players, 
there's some coaches who have a lot more on their plate now than they did prior to the shutdown. You know, as a coach, you always want to listen and you always want to take the pulse and the temperature of your players. And I think that that's where Quinn gets a lot of credit. The social change that we're in, it means a lot to a lot of the guys on the team. Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, Rudy Gobert, Rajon Tucker, all of those guys have, in some form or another, used their collective voices, either via social media, in person, as Jordan Clarkson joined protests uh, out in Los Angeles. Quinn Snyder, he's had a chance to uh, look and see what the pulse of his team was, and he's had a chance to educate uh, on a personal level as well. He and his family went to uh, went to speeches on Juneteenth, and I think that you know this has really you know opened up you know some eyes you know with him and around him. Obviously, as you know, Utah's a unique place, right? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's all it's as unique a place as there is in the country. There's a lot of conversation to be had within this state uh, when it comes to to social change and racial injustice. I think that having those conversations uh, is something that Snyder wants. I don't know if you saw there was an IG post that Donovan Mitchell put up on Juneteenth uh, that was met with significant backlash, and a lot of that backlash came from within the Jazz fan base. Me as a reporter, I've seen backlash, you know, from things that I've posted within the Jazz fan base. It's a real conversation that a lot of people who have different perspectives uh, have to have, uh, myself included. So I give Coach a lot of credit for, for you know, being proactive and, and taking steps to have those conversations. And, and I think that there's nothing but good that can come out of them. That's a great point. It's a... Very interesting dynamic for the Utah Jazz. Uh, as you mentioned, one of the truly unique places in this country, and certainly among NBA markets, is, it has a, a certain level of uh, uniqueness in terms of the makeup of its fan base and, and kind of where they sit politically and socially in, in the landscape of NBA teams. We're talking uh, Utah Jazz with Tony Jones of The Athletic, and we're going to come back after the break, Tony, and play a little Keys to the Magic Kingdom for the Jazz when we come back. Back here on the Hang Time Podcast, talking Utah Jazz with Tony Jones of The Athletic. And Tony, we, we got to have a cheat sheet, if you will, for the Jazz in Orlando. Nice and clean way for them to make the trip down there and, and try and come out with the best results possible. So in that vein, we're going we're gonna to play a little game here called Keys to the Magic Kingdom. And I'm going to ask you some questions. You give me the best answers you can with, with the Disney theme in mind, all right? That works for me. If there's a glass slipper, what player or combination of players can be the perfect fit to replace Boyan Bogdanovich and his production in that jazz line? I would say Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, and Jordan Clarkson. If they can come up with a way to replace Boyan's minutes and be efficient, then the jazz still have a good ceiling in Orlando. Mr. Incredible, who becomes the X factor in, or game changer 
for the Jazz in Orlando? Jordan Clarkson, because he's been one of the best six men in the league this year. Uh, and he's a guy with explosive uh, scoring potential. I think he's a guy that can get hot. He's playing for a contract. So keep that in mind as well. Always a great incentive for somebody to show out in the playoffs is playing for a contract. Call it the Jerome James special, baby. <laughs> beauty and the Beast. What matchup is the beauty for the Jazz? What's that one team where they get on the floor and feel like, we got this? Dallas Mavericks. Uh, mm. Even with them having Luka Doncic, the Jazz present issues for Dallas that I'm not sure that they can overcome. And I think that Rudy Gobert would absolutely dominate a series. What's the Beast matchup? What's the flip side? Who's, who's the team they would most like to avoid? in the playoffs as long as possible. Is that not obvious? <laughs> okay, well, let's just play along. The Houston Rockets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, got a, they got a standing date in the playoffs, don't they? They have a standing date. <laughs> so there, there is no more of a dangerous matchup for the Jazz, matchup-wise and stylistic-wise, in the NBA than the Houston Rockets. But if you want to, like, not go for the obvious and go for somebody less than the obvious, the, the Los Angeles Lakers. Not only because it's, it would be hard for them to match up with LeBron, but it would be very, very, very difficult for them to match up with Anthony Davis. He would be a guy that would force them out of any comfort zone whatsoever, probably on the defensive end. Right, um, right. you got a genie and, and you get three wishes for the Jazz heading to Orlando, what would they be? Donovan Mitchell shoot 55% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. Rudy Gobert to be engaged defensively, and Joe Ingles to shoot 45% from three-point range. It's the happiest place on earth, as I mentioned. So who's most likely to win an NBA 2K tournament in the players' lounge from this Jazz team? Royce O'Neal. Royce is a beast on the sticks. I know Donovan Mitchell would tell you different, but I think Royce <laughs> O'Neal is, is the guy. Who's most likely to be the rowdiest fan at an opposing team's game in the bubble? Oh, absolutely, Joe Ingles. <laughs> Joe will go to uh, an opposing team's game. I can see him at a Clipper game heckling Paul George, saying, remember what happened two years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like Joe Ingles. He has the, he has that edge to him that you have to appreciate if you're a true competitor. Um, finally, and this is the fairy tale ending. What would the Jazz have to do to hoist a Larry O'Brien Trophy? They would have to play perfect basketball for three months. Donovan Mitchell would have to have a Dwayne Wade 2006 like playoff run. Wow! Yeah, if he pulled that off, you're right. It, it, it would very well be a, a jazz-themed trip to Orlando because you, you got somebody's got to have that next-level performance down there, Tony, if they're going to have a chance to make some noise. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Absolutely. You know, if, if it's got to be anybody on that roster, you figure it's Donovan Mitchell. So, Tony Jones from The Athletic, helping us out here talking about the Utah Jazz. Your vacation is over, by the way. That little, that little hiatus we had is done. Listen, I have two kids. It never started. <laughs> man, we appreciate you as always, T, coming on, talking about the jazz and helping us out, man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No doubt. Appreciate it.
an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.